Hey guys, this is Jim Huntsman coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. I had a few minutes to uh, throw some, uh, uh, record some track here uh, in between hunts, and and uh, here it is September before I get to the interview portion because I just wanted to let you guys know a few things. Um, first of all, our competitions. Uh, or our contest, uh, rather. Um, if you guys are out there and you film yourself scouting or, or hunting or whatever, make a make a quick 15-20 second clip and email it to me at jimatthewesternhuntsman.com. That's going to get you into the Tacticam drawing for a, uh, a a Spotter LR, which is a great little piece of equipment. Um, the other one is do the same thing, you know, take your phone or whatever, uh, and and film yourself bugling. And if, if you heard the announcement on on the Instagram, if you uh, if you just do that, you you film yourself bugling, um, again 10 20 second clip. Uh, but if you get a response, you're gonna get two entries. If you kill that bull, that's three entries, and that is gonna be for a complete Phelps game calls calling package so like a bugle tube some reeds a pouch um external all that kind of stuff so um check out the instagram if you haven't been there at the western huntsman and you'll see the video for it so i uh, hope you guys are doing well i just wanted to the i guess make a, a couple of quick announcements in terms of the scheduling i am not sure if i'm going to have an episode next week just because it is uh, again it's september archery elk and that makes me a very busy guy. Uh, I've been out uh, several times, and I've had uh, some really good call-ins already. And it's still early too, so that's that's awesome. Um, and and so uh, we'll get back to that. But um, the the biggest thing I wanted to bring up was that, that I might I might miss next week. Um, I might not. I don't know. I've got one episode loaded, but I just don't know if I'll be back. Uh, to be able to put that thing together and get it out there into the, the the inner waves of the podcast world. So the second thing I wanted to mention real quick was uh, curious if you guys have heard the app Hunt League. You need to check out the Hunt League app. And it is, is Hunt League, just like, you know, a baseball league or something. Hunt League is an app where you can get on and join like a league and it's there's a there's the, the way they format it it's a competition or a contest to track your hunts and log your hunts it's not like a contest of who shot the biggest bull or who shot the biggest buck or you know the most or, or anything like that at points you get points uh, you, you don't even get points for you know the size of the animal uh, so and that was a big thing for me because I was super leery about this whole thing uh, when I was first introduced to it just because I, I'm just not into that I'm not into who shot the biggest buck who shot the biggest bull kind of thing uh, but the way, the way they have this app designed it's more about you're getting points for you get points for scouting and, and what you found out there and finding sign and you get points for being out there and logging a hunt and um, it's a really cool app to whether you're trying to have fun in another in a hunting league that's already on there that you could join and win prizes um, or just it's a great way for me like I really like it to use to log my hunts there's a spot to make notes so you can go through and like basically explain whether anybody else reads it or not what you did that day and it could tell you a lot like I'm gonna start tracking okay what was the moon phase what what did I hear bugle wise what did I do there what did I do here um, and and it's a great way to track all that information and and just have it in one spot and if if uh, you don't even want to do that you can get the hunt league app and follow the content creators league which is the league that I'm in 
Um, and it's uh, there's like me, there's uh, Michael Batiste from Elk Calling Academy, there's Garrett Weaver from On Point Podcast, uh, and several others in there in that content creator league. A guy from Western Contours, um, Joe Gillia from Elk Bros, I believe, is in there. Uh, just a bunch of us that do like podcasts and stuff, and we're all in this league kind of competing against each other. Uh, again, it's not about you know the score of the the antlers or anything like that. It's just more about who's out there spending the time, getting it done, um, you know, making making progress every day and making memories and and what it, what it's all about hunt wise. So check it out. Check out. Get, jump on uh, wherever you get your apps from and and just type in Hunt League. Uh, it's a cool app, super interactive. Uh, it's not very buggy at all. I was I was expecting a lot of bugs with this app, and it's really not. It's a great, well put together app. Uh, and check it out, and go. Be sure to go check out the Creators Content League. All right, guys. Today's guest that I have for you is a is a friend of mine uh, who came up here to the property in uh, in Clark Fork and sat down with me here in the Broken Time Studio, and we just talked hunting. Um, what's interesting about it is uh, Steve, his name's Steve Johnson, and Steve and I went hunting a couple days after we recorded this. Uh, and what I learned was Steve is a great elk collar. <laughs> and so what what's we recorded this and like it was the following week. So in Idaho, bear, deer, and elk season all opened on uh, August 30th for all your over the t- uh, or I'm sorry, over the counter units and all that kind of stuff. So um, what was super interesting is that we record and then the next week, Monday, August 30, he goes out and uh, smokes a bear. And then he goes out. That was Monday. And then Tuesday, he goes out, calls in an elk, and kills an elk. And uh, he went out again like the next day to help some buddies track a bear that they had hit. And then on that Friday, he came with me, uh, met me. We, we had to leave our place at like 3 in the morning, drove up, met up on the up on this uh, area we were hunting, uh, and put in a good, solid, very difficult five miles into the North Idaho backcountry. Uh, he called in three bulls for me. Uh, one was a little raghorn that about ran us over. Um, the, the the next one just wouldn't give us a shot. I never actually saw that one. Just heard him. He was raking. He was screaming. Steve's back there calling him in. And then like uh, two hours later, we're walking down the drainage, kind of wa- working our way out. And we're talking with like regular voices. We weren't even hunting at this point. We were kind of doing more scouting for mountain whitetail bucks, which was really funny. And all of a sudden, this bull ch- uh, chimes off like, I don't know, a couple hundred yards up up the drainage from us. And he calls that sucker into like 20 yards from me. But I, I'm blocked by all this, these uh, these like willow, this willow brush at the bottom of the bay, uh, uh, the bottom of this drainage. And I can't see him. He could see him. I can't see him. And then the swirling winds at the bottom of this drainage, uh, he caught wind of me and, and boogied up uh, out the other side. It was, a, it was a great day. Man, it was just, it was such a great day. And so it's it's perfectly fitting uh, for to have Steve on this episode because he is a legitimate freaking hunter, guys. And and I want you guys to know that before I introduce him, all official um, here coming up. But that, that's who I've got on the episode today. He's a great hunter. He's a good friend. Uh, just a great guy. I think you guys will get a lot out of this episode. And, and uh, uh, you know, I always love going with somebody that I feel like I'm learning from. And I certainly did that with Steve. So here we go. Let's kick it off with Steve Johnson. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away. And we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, 
We share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, the host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And today I am joined by my buddy Steve Johnson. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you doing? We are doing one of the rare in-person interviews today, and uh, I'm pretty excited to have Steve up here. I got a couple of quick announcements for you guys. Uh, we put a post out yesterday that was talking about, uh, from our last episode with Rudy, or two episodes ago, I'm not sure, um, talking about our contest where you guys, if you're out scouting, whether you're scouting for September elk or you're scouting for October elk or uh, any of your uh, deer hunts coming up, mule deer, whitetail, whatever, bear, scouting for bear, um, I don't care what it is. Take your phone out and record a quick little snap, uh, or not snap. I don't know what I'm talking about. Steve's throwing me off here in the studio. I'm getting all tongue-tied. <laughs> um, take a quick little video, guys. Like, make it 10 seconds or 20 seconds, maybe, you know, at the most 30 seconds. And tell us what you're scouting and tell us where you're at. And I don't mean give us, like, you know, coordinates to where you're hunting. Um, just say, you know, I'm in Wyoming or Utah or Idaho or wherever. Uh, and give us a little synopsis of your scouting trip, and then submit that into Jim at the Western Huntsman.com, and you will be entered in for the random drawing to win an, a Tacticam Spotter LR. And that spotter, guys, what that is is you can take it, you can connect it to your spotting scope, right? And or onto um, you could you could attach it to a rifle scope, but that would be pretty tricky because they and they have something separate for that. It's called the FTS. Uh, film through scope, so you wouldn't want to worry about that, but through the spotter, and it's its own camera, and you turn it on, and you can watch what you're filming, so if you're out scouting, uh, you could film, you know, this buck's over there, and you can kind of learn which bucks are where, and where they're hanging out, and all that kind of stuff, it's a great piece of equipment, so if you guys want to be entered into the drawing for that, um, again, while you're out on the mountain scouting this, uh, the, oh, you have till September 30th, just take a quick video and send it over to me. I think it'd be really cool. We also have a really cool giveaway that I'm going to be announcing on the next episode. Actually, I'm not sure what order these episodes are coming out, but you're going to be hearing about it. You might already know about it by the time you're listening to this, but we are going to be, uh, doing a, a really cool Phelps giveaway. I've got a full elk um, calling package for you, a bugle tube, some reeds, uh, an external, and uh, you, you're going you're gonna to see. I'm going to put it all together, and we'll, we'll uh, put it out on the, the old Instagram there. So, Steve. What's up? I think that's good for announcements, right? <laughs> sounded pretty good. <laughs> Did I sound pretty official? Yeah. <laughs> sounded like a good podcast host. Sure. Well, I got you fooled at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Steve and I have known each other for some time and um, and have been talking back and forth. Steve is one of those guys that is just your all around. Now, do you prefer Steve or Steven? Everybody at work calls me Steve. And so, okay, that's what I usually roll with. Because usually I, I, we're talking on Facebook and it's Steven. Yeah. It's Steven Johnson. So Steve. Well, and then I get those people that call me Stefan. Stefan. Yeah. I've Stephanopoulos. Got a guy, I, I know this guy. I've known him for years. 
and he still calls me Stefan to this day. And he's heard other people call me Stephen lots of times. That's hilarious, <laughs> he man. He still calls me Stefan. We should get it's him drunk funny. and get him on the podcast. Yeah, we should, definitely. <laughs> Steve and I are sitting here drinking some ice cold. Actually, they're not that cold, huh? Coors Light. Well, when I popped it, the mountain was a little blue. So it's. it's I put them in this morning. My fridge here in the studio is not... Uh, not cooking like it should be, but it works for me. It works, dude. It's yeah, wet. I'm not picky. It's wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's been lots of times we forgot to put beer in the cooler at Elk Camp, and we get the, back to the camp temperatures and warm. lately. <laughs> yeah, the temperatures have been keeping them down lately at night too. Yeah. So, but anyways, this is like the longest intro because I keep getting sidetracked. For Steve, <laughs> Steve is a fellow North Idahoan. And he is like an all-around outdoorsman. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little elk hunting. We're going to talk about some whitetail hunting for you public land mountain whitetail hunters out there. I think that that's what our main focus is going to be. Because I think Steve, he got the bug big time for mountain whitetail. And uh, I've been getting it. If you've been listening to the show, you know I get excited uh, about these mountain whitetail. Which is funny because like five years ago, um, I was all about mule deer. And I'd be like, oh, whitetail, big whitetail bucks, those are for wimps. You know, uh, you got to real men go after big mule deer. Yeah. Yeah, well, my, my whole thing has changed. I still love I still love a good muley. Yeah. But but we're going to really focus on uh, on whitetail and uh, and talk about that. So tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you grew up, and, and we'll take it from there, brother. So I'm actually from Washington. I was born in Washington. Oh, I didn't know that. You can't yeah. be in this trailer now. No. <laughs> I, was born, I was born in Port Townsend, Washington in 1989 and moved here my parents moved this here when i was three years old my mom's from this area um so i pretty much just grown up in idaho you know everything everything that i can remember is, yeah. is idaho yeah um yeah my my dad he's a he was a commercial salmon fisherman when i was just a baby oh sweet and uh, that's up, where you get that. That's where yeah. you got that passion. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that's where the fishing. I my whole family's been. I mean, there's lines of fishermen in my family, even on Pondere Lake. Mm-hmm. My mom's dad's. Uh, sorry. Okay, so my mom's mom's dad uh-huh. was a commercial fisherman on Pondere. On Pondere. On Pondere Lake. Oh, interesting. My dad's dad was stationed at the base in Pondere back when it was actually like, Oh really? Yeah. Like an he, active like super it's still an active base but Right, but um I'm talking about the historical side of it now. Oh, like, that's freaking cool, man. So when you go into the park, I actually uh, for my dad's birthday one year, me and my brothers, we went down there and we pulled a picture of his whole uh, company from the Navy? From the Navy, uh-huh. yeah. They had a picture of all of them lined up out there. At Bayview? No, in like one of the barracks up there. Really? Yeah, so we we actually found that picture and got it all framed up for him and gave it to him for his birthday one year. Oh, that that's pretty cool, cool, man. But, yeah, that's so, super cool. Yeah. So... So what for the, for a lot of a lot of you in North Idaho are going to know what we're talking about. For some of you that aren't, um, you might be surprised to know that uh, where Steve and I are at here, where where I live here in Clark Fork, uh, we're just a stone throws away from Pond Array, which is um, the, the the deepest lake in Idaho. Uh, it's one of the top deepest lakes in America. Yeah. Uh, I had it clocked at 1,100 feet at one point on one of my fish finders once. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's pretty impressive. But what what a, a lot of people don't know is there is a naval base on this lake, and they do acoustical submarine testing and all sorts of stuff on it. Uh, that's how big and deep it is, and and it's just it's like crazy good fishing and you've mastered it where i get my ass kicked on it constantly <laughs> i haven't mastered it well mastered i've seen much. the fish you've caught dude <laughs> like you've pretty much mastered it I, I go out there and i catch minnows you know and that's some days like uh, there'll be several days in a row where we'll i say we i'm talking about just i there's a big group of fishermen out there and we all kind of intermingle talk with each other mm-hmm. and, uh, there's lots of times when you go for days, you just catch shakers. Yeah. Shake, we call them shakers. Yeah, you just shake them off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could catch the hell but, out of the, uh, uh, gosh, now I'm driving, the kokanees. But that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, me and my wife, we have a blast doing that. We yeah. go out there and. Uh, They're good, man. Man, they are. <laughs> and, you know, it's a lot of people complain about the size, but. They're literally the perfect size fish mm-hmm. to put in a can. If you like canned fish, if you like canning. Be a little closer to the mic there. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you like can and kokanee, uh-huh. um, they're the perfect size. They fit right into a can. That's a good like point, Like in man. a jar. Perfect. Do you guys can yeah. them? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll usually smoke them just a little bit just to give them that smoky flavor. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the cooking process is done in a jar. So That's awesome, man. No, I love it, dude. <laughs> yeah. And so you grew up fishing on pond array yeah like, ever so that's since i was just i mean knee high to a grasshopper uh-huh. i mean i've been out there fishing for mostly kokanee up until i was 25 ish mm-hmm. and uh then i you know i've always wanted to pursue the rainbows and i just started those big cam loops oh man i got addicted <laughs> it's like the whitetails right now i mean uh-huh. i just got the bug <laughs> and i had to go for it and i just geeked out that's awesome and, man uh, and there's there's an art to it, just oh, like hunting big white man, tails. it's I mean, there's a list. There's moon phase. There's wind direction, wind speed, cloud cover, like all that stuff comes into play. Water clarity, water temperature, mm-hmm. barometric pressure. I mean, you have to take all that stuff into account, especially like if you're a weekend warrior. Like most of the time, I am. I'm working and stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you pay attention to those details, makes a big difference. It really does, yeah. And mm. <clears throat> line, and you're, oh, go ahead. No, line, like line diameter and really, yeah. I mean, wow, and specific man. line companies. Like I, I, I only use Seaguar now for my leader material. Uh huh. It just, I don't know what it is about Seaguar, but okay. When I, just, I get a new boat, I'm gonna come and see you, so yeah. I, you know I, I could figure out how to get outfitted because I couldn't catch one, dude. One I know, days. seriously. <laughs> and your wife's way into it. Dude, yeah, she? she's really into it. She started yeah. a Facebook group just for yeah, for the, the lake, the Ponder. Uh, I can't. What's lake that Ponderay, Facebook? Lake Ponderay uh, fishing was, something. Yeah, well, it was that, and then she changed it to Deep Waters fishing deep waters. group. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah. No, she's really into it. She actually works on the lake. She works at Gary McDonald's down in Bayview. I don't even know what Gary McDonald's is. It's is it funny because uh, I'll be talking about, yeah, and that's what everybody says. I'll be talking about McDonald's, and they're like, your wife works at McDonald's? What <laughs> <But laughs> is like, Gary McDonald's? Fast, is, that, is that the one that is right there at the mean boat ramp? By uh, It's on. It's that floating so restaurant? So there's a little restaurant right there. Uh-huh. Um, that's not Gary's. If you if you 
uh, launch your boat there by that restaurant. You uh-huh. go across the bay. He's on the right just before you get to the last boathouses out there. As you're going out the bay? Yeah. On the right? I didn't know there was a restaurant there. It, I know there's a captain's it's wheel. Not a, it's not a restaurant. It's So the captain's wheel is on the left-hand side. Yep, if you're yep. heading out in the lake, it'd be the left-hand side of the restaurant you're talking about. Gary's, he just has the gas. and. Uh, oh, okay. He's got yeah, a nice yeah, little yeah, store yeah. in there. and he sells, Gotcha. They, they sell us uh, hoodies. They sell ice. They sell Okay, drinks, I need to go check beer. that out. So we, super cool. We always bypass it. So we'd launch over... In Farragut, mm-hmm. and and every morning, dude, when we'd launch, my wife and I, we'd come into Bayview for that little that little bar grill thing right on the boat ramp. Yeah. Because they have like the world's best Bloody Marys, and oh, so we'd yeah. start with that, <laughs> and that's that's how we started every trip on the boat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. No, that uh. <clears throat> yeah, Gary's he's got fish and tackle too. So I mean, if if you want to, mm-hmm. if you. If you're out there, say you're kokanee fishing, you forgot corn or you forgot wedding rings or something like that, you can just pull into Gary's right there, mm-hmm. jump off your boat onto the dock, and walk into the store. And ah, it's okay. right on the water. That's He's good got to all know, kinds dude. of stuff. He's got apexes. And He's going to get a bunch of new business out yeah, of this. I and, hope so. Uh, and I feel like <laughs> he, sh- he should sponsor the podcast after yeah. this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. Folks, visit Gary McDonald's uh, in Bayview, Idaho, yeah. right on Ponderay Lake for all your fishing, boating needs. He'd appreciate it. <laughs> Gary's a super awesome guy. Good. And he's, uh, he's one of those guys, you meet him for the first time, uh-huh. and you tell him your name. And then you show up maybe like two weeks later, even a month later. He remembers remember your it. name. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's just super huh. awesome, dude. Gary's got a big heart. So, yeah, um, big, I love Gary. No, he's that's awesome, awesome, man. I'd, I'd, I'm going to have to check that out. I sold my boat a couple years ago, actually, and haven't been out on the lake since. So I'm going to take you up if you uh, want to take me out fishing. Yeah, I? no, I usually keep the boat. I, I go, uh, I usually hunt September pretty hard. I'll hunt a little bit in October, but then. Middle of October comes through November, and I'm yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like yeah, it's either there there's gonna be a short window, or we're gonna have to bump it to next spring. Yeah, yeah. The fall (laughs) fishing's amazing though. Oh, I'm sure. If if you want to catch a good rainbow, and don't get me wrong, dude, I love fishing, but hunting is priority for me. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So you're and you're going out elk hunting, right? Yeah. September archery elk season. Actually, on uh, Monday, I'm gone for a week. You're I'll going. Be, I'm going to be up. Hunt, well, I'm going to be hunting deer. Deer is kind of my top priority. So you're starting right now. with deer that first week. That's right. Yeah. And then you're going out like towards the end of September for elk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, what we're going to talk about, guys, because I'm going to, if you guys have been, you know, paying attention, whatever, we have here at the Western Huntsman, we have the School of September series. And it is a series solely focused on elk. Um, you know, hunting the rut in September with a bow, uh, calling bulls in, all that kind of stuff. That that's that's kind of that. The idea behind this is, I've had a lot of requests in discussion about, um, you know, some people are like, well, you do school of September for archery hunters for elk. What about like a school of October for for rifle elk hunters? You know, mm-hmm. and and then I've had another two or three emails come in that are requesting. More on uh, the whitetail hunting that, uh, if you guys remember when we had Troy Pottinger on, and uh, we both, that mutual friend for both of us, 
and Troy is kind of like the the go-to. What do you want to call him? Like Man, the legend like, of public land whitetail hunters. For us out here, Troy, I he's the spokesperson for yeah. us out here. I he mean, really, he really is. Like if you, I mean, yeah, you you can go through all the podcasts all over, you know, all over the web. There's nothing for here other than Troy. Yeah, I mean, when you like mm-hmm. when you have Troy here for in the any, studio, I mean, for any like Western public land mountain bucks. Yeah. Troy is the go-to guy. Yeah. And, and in fact, I need to get him back on, but uh, I'm, I'm worried I waited too long and now we're getting into hunting season, so I might not be able to catch up with him. <laughs> but I'm going to try because your passion that um, has kind of brought you to where you're at now is talking these whitetails and, and hunting these whitetails on public land because there's a lot of content out there. We were talking before we started recording about you know, hunting big whitetails in Kansas or, you know, the Midwest and yeah, um, where when we're talking more these mountain whitetails, which are a totally different animal, uh, there's just no, there's not a lot out there. No. And so so we're going to talk about, like what got you excited about these mountain whitetails? Well, it's been I've had a drive for it for the last I want to say at least 10 years now, just wanting to figure out those bucks up there. And me and my buddies at elk camp will sit around and we'll talk and we'll be like, yeah, shoot, I saw a big whitetail today. And no rhyme or reason. It's just yeah. he's up here at 4,000 feet or 4,500 feet. They're I like mean, way up in the woods. Is it like where we're elk hunting? Do you guys you know? see it like I do where it's like they appear and then they're gone and you never see them again? Yeah, and then that's right? it. It's like mm-hmm. a ghost. Yeah. And when I listened to the podcast you did with Troy and his sons, I was blown away. I was just what he was saying and how he was targeting these deer mm-hmm. up here in our area. And it's just like, man, like this guy, he knows what he's talking about. He's got it. And so I was like, I got to start diving into this, to try it out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got, I reached out to Troy and Troy got back to me and I got some of his sense, the buck fever synthetics, and uh started applying it and not all of my scrapes took off i'll say that Mm -hmm. but i blame that on just trial and error (laughs) you know what i mean i mean and for those that have never listened to the troy pottinger episode first of all shame on you listening out there you got to go back and listen (laughs) it's very um very insightful like i mean right oh my god he's awesome and then uh but Will you can you kind of describe or explain what a whitetail scrape is when you're making it for for mountain whitetail? Yeah, so it's taken me a it's I'm on year two of mm-hmm. doing the scrapes the way Troy does it and trying to pattern deer and take trail cam take the trail cam pictures and try to put it all together to piece this puzzle and. uh I don't know, man. Like the first, so like the way Troy. Oh, go ahead. Did I cut you off? No, you're oh. fine. Um, but <laughs> well, when I build a scrape, it's basically. I mean, it's like Troy explains in his podcast, or when he talks about it, mm-hmm. or in his boot camp. Um, you're not building a testosterone scrape, which is what goes through a lot of people's heads instantly. It's like when you talk scrapes. Mm-hmm. Troy's building a community hub scrape. 
where all these deer in these in the woods up here and i think that's that's something i've learned that's pretty key with it is that these deer use it like a telephone booth because we have such low deer densities i mean you don't just drive up in the woods up here and start seeing deer maybe down in our ags and stuff yeah, but, yeah. Uh, those are different yeah they're um but this is a big scrape and i've heard troy describe like car hood scrape you know big so the dirt's dug out about i usually dig it out three foot wide mm-hmm. um and then i have a licking branch above it and i apply the scents down on the ground and uh the licking branch for this time of year september early spring that's pretty key they're they're hitting that they're not usually doing anything in the dirt i've seen that on mm-hmm. my cameras now just they're not doing like crazy yeah they just they come in and like i'll see bucks show up in march april may it just depends on the elevation and their snow and uh the first thing they do is they sniff the ground a little bit and then they start hitting the licking branch and they're rubbing their forehead gland and then they they kind of mosey off they're not hitting it for very long but and so it's like a check-in hub right yeah. like both are you talking both does and bucks hit this yeah thing? and so they just come in they leave some scent and that lets the other deer know okay so-and-so's been here and uh so i'm gonna let them know i've been here and mm-hmm. then they move on another buck or another doe or whatever they so they all just kind of it's it's how they it's like the, the the coffee shop in a small town. Everybody's kind of learning what's going on. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, okay. Um, so that's what I'm trying to build out there. And, I, I mean, I've been calling it uh, a telephone booth, <laughs> basically. Because, I mean... It, it I kind mean, of is, yeah. Yeah, if you relate it to it, I mean, it's basically their way. They're not seeing each other every day. They're just they're coming up. They're dressing the licking branch. They're hitting it. They're leaving their little signature on there, mm-hmm. and then the next deer that comes in, it could be a day later, it might be a couple hours later. It hits, it smells that licking branch, check it out, leaves its scent, and then it yeah. gets off to the yep wherever it's the, heading, off to where it's going, bedding yeah. or feed zone or. And just to recap, what for some of you young bucks out there, a phone booth is something that back <laughs> in the day, <laughs> you used to have to go put a quarter in it to make a phone call. And there was no text messaging, and the phone was connected with a wire. And that's how you, you just had to stand there and talk on the phone. Yeah. I'm just clarifying. Yeah. No, We're just clarifying. I, I was right at the end of that transition. <laughs> I still remember it. I was somewhere in Montana the other day and saw they had it that there is a phone booth. I don't know if the phone still works in it, but there was a phone booth. It was at like a gas station or something. Uh, I got a funny story about a phone booth <laughs> over Uh-oh, in Seattle. Is it clean or is it? No, no. it's clean. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my buddy, I was probably nine years old or ten years old, and we were heading over to Seattle. We were going over to see some family, mm-hmm. and me and him were riding together with his dad and uh, my uncle. And we get to the 76 station in Essequah. Uh-huh. And it's still there to this day. If you're driving through, I think I know look what station that is. Off to the right, off there's of a big I-90? 76 ball, like the old school. Like, I'm right here, yep. Yep. you know. Yep. Yep. And they had a phone booth out there, and I think it's still there. I'm pretty sure. Me and my wife drove through there not too long ago, and I think that phone booth's still there. But we went in there, and his dad was getting gas. My uncle, they were doing, you know, checking fluids and everything mm-hmm. like that. And we walked over to that phone booth, and he punched in 911 on that. He's like, oh, it doesn't oh, no. work unless you put money in it. 
except 911. Yeah, except 911. <laughs> <laughs> and we got chased out of there. Oh, jeez, man. Oh, man, we got the ration. Oh. They, well, the wrath people came down. don't understand like the beauty of these phone booths like i used to go i'd take the phone book and i'd find like the principal at middle school yeah my that their phone number and i'd call them and i'd be like hey <laughs> this is so-and-so from the district i just want to let you know you're fired don't show up tomorrow <laughs> and, and you know we thought in seventh grade we were going to have school maybe cancel for the day or something because he was so upset but. oh man <laughs> but you can't do that anymore now now we have caller id and all yeah. sorts of stuff <laughs> so. i wish i could have done that oh it was awesome oh, and he cool. didn't believe he didn't believe, I, I remember that specific call when i called and i was the it was a principal of my middle school and i told him that i was some dude from the district <laughs> and we decided he was fired and he's like, oh, that's unfortunate. I hate to hear that. He, he's like playing Seriously? along. Yeah, he's like playing along. He knew I was full of shit, but he's just playing along. So anyway, the things you remember at random times, recording yeah, a podcast. Yeah, man, like I – see, I didn't have that luxury. Like I was homeschooled, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, my I, kids are I homeschooled could, now. Yeah. That, so that way they don't have to go find a phone book and fire, or fire yeah, there's no excuses. There's exactly. no sick days. There's yeah, no, no excuses. No, no, but they get a hunt a lot. Yeah, see, and that's that was the perk mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I really, I mean, my parents were pretty lenient on that with us. So, so uh, getting back to like growing up and stuff, where did you guys, as a family, did you guys hunt a lot, or where did that come from? You know, so my dad took us out deer hunting when I was probably thirteen years old, twelve or thirteen, and I hadn't had a tag yet. I hadn't even been through hunter safety yet, but I always wanted to go. I was, we need to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Dad, dad wasn't a hunter. Actually, my mom's more of a hunter than my dad. Oh, really? Believe it or not. I've, yeah. You know, I've heard that a few times lately. Yeah, so my mom. Cool. When yeah, she was a killer, and to this day, still she loves to get out with us and go hunting. But um, yeah, my dad, he took us out and he got this rifle and got us all camoed out. We all had orange stocking caps and orange vests. Oh yeah. And that was my first hunting experience and you're like 13 yeah i mean i was do you need a beer dude i'd love one okay. yeah i'll grab one you keep telling the story but uh yeah so uh that it, that was my first hunting trip and then my grandpa he's he was always a avid hunter and he kind of kept that going for us my dad was he was your grandpa was he here in north idaho or was yeah. he over in washington yeah, he was in North Idaho. Oh, I, it's my mom's dad. He was really he was really a, a big hunter, loved to hunt. Huh. My grandpa didn't ever really take us hunting. He would just throw us a gun and say, "Go figure it out." Good luck. Yeah, yeah. and he was building this cabin down in St. Mary or down in Santa Idaho. Actually, kind of, it's actually right across the draw from where Troy. It was funny. Me and Troy started talking and. It was literally right across the draw from where he cut his teeth hunting. Grew up, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah he's where, from in that neck of the woods. Yeah, and so I basically was hunting the same area that Troy grew up hunting. And, uh, yeah, my grandpa, he'd kick us a gun and say, yeah, go hmm. have fun. And we'd just go stroll through the woods all day. And um, I'd say off the get-go, I was really into elk hunting. I really wanted to get good at elk hunting mm-hmm. and whitetails was always something too that i was you know big whitetail bucks was 
it's always been there. I've always wanted to figure out how to kill big whitetail bucks, get consistent with it. Yeah. But uh, the elk thing was really my driving force, I guess you'd say. And then uh, we got into archery hunting. We started watching the Primo's videos and getting like, oh, man, these guys just go out there with bugle tubes. Yeah. So I actually went and bought a turn. Every time they make a sound, yeah, a man, bull comes running bulls. in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I... There was a lot of learning curve there, man. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's not like that. Mm-mm. I no. wish it was. I w- <laughs> sometimes. Who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody about that today. Oh, it was the it was my new buddy that works for Avista that's putting my power line in. Uh, he was here like approving my line so we could finally get power so I could record these without the generator in the background. Right anyway. On. Yeah, he was talking about that. He's like, yeah, I was totally misled by primos, man. I go out there, and every time they squawked on a call, a big bull come running in, and they'd shoot him, and I thought it was so easy. Yeah. And then you go out and you, in re- real life on public land and get your teeth kicked in. Yeah. And that, <laughs> so. like, and today, I, I, I don't think the younger or the the people that are getting into it now understand like how valuable some of this stuff is that's coming oh, out man. you know it's just insane. we didn't have like, any of that no. when i was a kid man i mean we had the primos dvds and you had to go spend it was like 14 bucks for a dvd yeah and then you'd try to take everything that they're doing and go apply it out here where we're hunting and it just it didn't wasn't work the same it's, no uh, we're not on some well i don't know i don't know where those guys hunt but what I do know is where they hunt, there's less people, there's less traffic, there's fewer hunters, there's uh, more vocal bull, bulls, and um, the content, to your point, I guess, what I'm trying to say, like today, like you watched what the Phelps guys put out, or like Born and Raised, or, or, or some of these other platforms out there that, that put this stuff out there. It's more applicable and realistic, even though it's consolidated. Yeah. And, you know, and by, by consolidated, I mean they're taking two weeks of hunting and putting it into 20 minutes of a video and really showing you the highlights. But anybody with any kind of, you know, cognizant value in their mind could put it together that, you know, that was a lot of work to get to the point in that video in which that arrow was installed into that elk. Exactly. Right? And you can kind of think your way through it. And it's just, a, it's so much more realistic. And and you made a really good point with talking about the value that whether it's a young hunter or a new hunter coming into hunting, the value that is there before you. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, we didn't have, like, no, we didn't have anything it, like it's, that. It's almost like, when I see, I don't know, social media anymore, just it kind of aggravates me to mm-hmm. get on social media and see some of these people and what they're like. Uh, my good friend Kevin Sawyer, he'll tell you the same. Like the art of discovery is not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's like people rely too much on somebody else that's mastered it to to be an instant hero, mm-hmm. you know, and they. I've got messages from the lake when I'm on the lake fishing, and it's like, hey, where are you at? What are you doing? How deep? How fast? Yep, yep. You know, they want to know all those details so they can go apply it. It's, it's I don't know. I couldn't ask that stuff to people because it's embarrassing. I, yeah. don't, I don't understand that mindset. But, See, when it comes to fishing, I won't be embarrassed to come to you yeah. and be like, dude, 
Because I can't catch one of those damn big no, rainbows. No, and you're more that. than welcome to. <laughs> no, just... I'm kidding, but I know I know exactly what. And and when you say they're 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 devaluing, a part of what they're devaluing is their own experience. Yeah. Their own like I've hunted with people that have like sometimes they they or some of these guys that they've never hunted in their life and they they kind of want you to just kind of put them in front of a deer or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're devaluing. Their own experience is going to take away from their expertise later as a hunter. And it's those little things that where you get your teeth kicked in and you make mistakes. You, you, you get busted by the wind because you went the wrong direction and, or, or this or that. You know, It doesn't matter what it is. It's those little things that create expertise in a hunter. And, and you, know, you just can't get the thousand-yard stare. <laughs> it's the biggest, learning, get, it's the biggest right? learning curve. Yeah. And it, it, it's almost, I don't know, when I fail, I almost appreciate it more than when I succeed because I learn For from sure. that mistake that I can't, you know, it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. Cool. I know never to do that again in this scenario. Yeah. And it's ever, just like, it helps you kind of build up. It's like Johnny Stewart says, it's building your toolbox. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Building and your toolbox. You, you can't build a toolbox without failing. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a great I mean, point. you have to go out and fail. Sometimes it's the success that you get so overwhelmed with the the feeling of success, right? The joy and the the relief and the you forget the lessons that you learned to get to that point where when you fail, those are the things that stick in your mind forever. Like I I remember making a shot when I was a teenager on a mule deer buck. And it, it went like right under his belly and hit the dirt. And it was the damnedest thing. It was like a cartoon. The buck kind of looked at where the gunshot came from because I was rifle hunting. He looks at me, and then he looks down at the ground where it hit, and then he looks back at me and runs off. Like, that's a moment I'll never forget. In hindsight, one of the things I learned from that is I had plenty of time to rack another round and put another round downrange. But I didn't know what I didn't know back then, right? You froze. I was frozen. I was like, dang. That, that, that piece of lead hit right under his belly, and he gave me a perfect opportunity to take another shot, and, and I didn't do it because I didn't know. Yeah. Where now I'd have a round so fast jacked in the chamber, it, it, you know, he wouldn't but have a chance. If that's an experience <laughs> that you, you're just never going to forget, and you're going to be if, like, hey, yeah, next time. Yeah. It could have taken me even. another 10 years to learn the lesson that I learned there, which was once I release a round, if I'm rifle hunting, Another round is going back in a like there's no hesitation. It's boom, crank it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's one of those things that it would have taken me years to learn that without that that little piece of failure. And I had a, a similar experience with a bull elk two years ago. I got super excited mm-hmm. and uh, we were we I wasn't even the elk hunt mindset. We were we were heading up the road to go do bear baits we had four bear baits running that year and my buddy chris i hunt with chris a lot um me and him are driving up the road and there's a bunch of cows standing in the middle of the road Mm -hmm. i was like man that's weird and i get out of the truck i was like maybe there's a bull with them and i grab my bow i had all my stuff with me i just wasn't prepared for you know we're we're going to bear bait yeah yeah you know and uh I get out of the truck and all the cows take off down over the edge of the road, go down into the draw. And 
this guy comes driving up and he pulls over and he's talking with me and he goes hey i'm sorry man i didn't mean to mess up your hunt i was like oh you didn't mess anything up i was like these cows were standing on the road i was just seeing if there was a bull and he's like oh okay well right on and we talked for a second and then he drove off and i just waited for it to quiet down a little bit and uh i don't know it was probably 10 minutes and i let a bugle out and the bull's up on the bank above the road. Oh, so, so he cows, didn't come down. He didn't come down. He was ah. So all his cows went down below the road. And he thought he lost Oh, them. man. He got fired up. Like, oh, my gosh. That's crazy, and dude. And so I run up the bank. I had glasses. I just got a new prescription. And I had my glasses on. And I am got my bugle tube and my bow. And I'm running up through this alder thicket i mean it's just thick tag (laughs) tag alder Mm -hmm. and i'm running through it my shirt's getting ripped here and there and (laughs) i get up there i i get to where i think i'm pretty close to the bull and i let out another bugle and he cuts me off in the bugle and then i hear brush breaking and i can kind of see him and he sits there and he starts raking this tree just breaking it Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh man like it's on. It's going to happen. So I knock an arrow, and uh, I bugled at him, and he started coming towards me, and he hung up probably 30 yards from me, and I, I couldn't get a shot, and he would not come any closer. I was tucking my bugle under my armpit, and I was bugling down the hill. Oh, yeah. And get was, a throw behind you. Yeah, and I could see his body. I could see his head, and he'd looking and everything, and... We probably did this for 20 minutes. Finally, I just said, screw it. I'm going to run at this bull, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to bugle at him while I'm running at him. So I grabbed my bugle tube, and I'm running at this bull and bugling at the same time. And he kind of took a jump back, and then he just (laughs) came in because he saw the motion, but he Mm -hmm. couldn't see me, and the wind's just coming right down the hill. It's evening. He comes down the hill, and he gets about 10 yards from me, and I have this perfect shot at him. And I draw back, shoot, and I there's a piece of tag alder probably about the diameter of a quarter. Oh, no. And my arrow center punched that, and it stuck right where the fletching. Oh, no, man. Yeah, right? Oh, I was excited. And until he said that. I was like, oh. And he kind of jumped back, and he took mm-hmm. off running. Well, I followed him up with the bugle. And he mm-hmm. stopped, and he turned around, and he started coming back. And I knock another arrow, and he... He kind of just walks down to me, gets broadside again, about 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I d- go to draw back, and I'm shaking so bad at this point, and I'm flustered. <laughs> my arrow comes off my rest and falls on the dirt. Oh, I got enough time. to. I, I reach down. I grab my arrow off the dirt, put it back in the bow, get my release on, and I get about, I don't know, a quarter way into my pull, into my draw. Uh-huh. And he whirled and he, he was gone boogies, forever. Huh? And I was just like, oh, oh my man. gosh, man. Like, if I'd have just calmed down the second shot, I would have got him. But I just. But the lesson you learned out of yeah, that and the just... heartbreak you felt out of that. Are you as excited as I am about hunting season? Man, it's here, finally. And you still have time to save some money on some great gear. By the sponsors who make this show possible. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Scree Gear. Scree is extreme mountain gear. And this is my, what, third season using Scree. And if it sucked, I would have changed by now. 
Guys, Street is high-performance hunting uh, attire. It is scientifically proven. It's backed by a great company. Uh, I wouldn't recommend these guys if I didn't believe in them wholeheartedly, and they they've just they just keep I uh, just keep them on the show because it's great stuff, guys, without breaking the bank. And that's what I really like about the Scree gear is it's ever bit as good as that super expensive stuff that you can get out there, but you're not going to break the bank getting it and get all geared up for complete layering systems, all terrain, all conditions, gear designed to adapt to the weather. Uh, it's all backed by a lifetime warranty, and if you when you order online at ScreeGear.com, VIP sizing and exchange program will cover you if you order the wrong size. You can send it back for free, and they'll send you the right size. It's a great company, great gear. Check it out at ScreeGear.com, if I can spit that out right. And use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That is one heck of a deal. Let's roll right into Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots, I believe uh, this is like my eighth or ninth season running uh, a pair of Hoffmans. I use the Explorers, and I love the Hoffman Explorers in the 8-inch. You can also get them in the 6-inch. Depends. That's just kind of a personal preference thing. Hoffman Boots are, again, kind of like Scree, where it's a great boot without spending an absorbent amount of money, right? So that's why I use the Hoffman boots is because I'm getting everything that I need out of a boot. These are rugged boots. They last a long time. Like I told you, I'm, I'm going on like eight or nine years with these things, and I'm only on my second pair. They will keep you from sliding down the mountain because they've got excellent traction, excellent waterproofing, excellent everything. Go to HoppinBoots.com and use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, the oldest sponsor on this here Western Huntsman podcast. I am recording this on the opening day of archery elk season, and I've got all my Phelps stuff laid out, ready to go. I use the Maverick. I use the Renegade. I use the new metal tube. uh, All of it. It's great stuff. It has never let me down. I've been using it for a long time. I was one of the first believers in Phelps Game Calls, and you should be too. Go to phelpsgamecalls.com. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10 to save you 10% when on your order. And good luck out there. Here we go, September. And last but not least is Tacticam. Tacticam is a unique sponsor on the Western Huntsman podcast. And you can get all the Tacticam products at thewesternhuntsman.com, a portion of which goes to conservation efforts in fighting against the anti-hunting movement. So be sure to go to thewesternhuntsman.com and pick you up some uh, some cameras. You can get the uh, I recommend the uh, getting two cameras if you're going to self film. Get the 5.0 and get the wide lens. Those two you can basically attach to yourself or if you're in the states that allow it to a weapon and film your entire hunt. They also have cool products like the Spotter LR. They have the Reveal cell cameras, which are way cool. We should have those on the website here shortly. Uh, and go check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com forward slash gear and let me know what you think. Let's get back to the show and here we go. Is the life. lesson I learned, this is the biggest takeaway I had with that bull was that, you know, if it all comes down to the, like, you just can't make him come to you anymore. Mm-hmm. If your wind's right and everything, you can run right at him. Yeah. And, like, he was so worried about his cows down below the road you know because he was separated like I, I i just think that 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 bull he had so much pull to those cows and he yep. was wanting to protect them so and much he thought that, there was another bull trying yeah. to sell his cows so in that yeah. scenario i feel like you know you can get away with 
sure getting you know being super aggressive on them and uh it's freaking awesome man it was cool i was like i love wow. lessons like that man but, i mean that that is exactly what hunting is and what it's for um we got to take a pee break i'm pausing it right on we'll be right back folks <laughs> uh after these messages okay we're back um it was a good pee break if we're being was it was it good for you yeah it was good for me <laughs> When, when you're drinking beer, um, I want to get back to something you said uh, before we pause there. When you, so that that story you just told that was September, right? Yeah. And you were going to check your bear bait. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. You're you're baiting quite a bit in the fall because I'm I'm like a student of this whole bear baiting thing. Yeah, we uh, normally like uh, this year we're gonna run three baits and. I don't. We might throw a fourth one in. You, I mean, we'll run anywhere from at, le- at least three to maybe five baits okay. a year. And part of that reason too is just because the area that we're in, that we we bait bears in, it's pretty roadless. Uh huh. And uh, the hound hunters can't get to it, and so we've got the wolf problem plus the bear problem. Eat calves and fawns and things like that and it's just like it's kind of something i think we need to take into consideration and try to at least knock some of these things down sure i don't i mean i know the wolves i've i've heard uh some biologists talk about um wolves digging bears up out of their den Mm -hmm. in the winter time while they're hibernating but up there man like i've got cameras i probably got i think i've got 22 cameras out up there spread out over a 50 square mile area mm-hmm. and uh there's bears on every single one of them multiple bears yeah and without bait and it was like something i li- i listened to you talk about in your one of your recent podcasts with your spring bear hunting was like wow uh, with nate davenport yeah 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 and he was talking about how you know he's set up and he's got this bear bait going and he's within a few hundred yards of another guy mm-hmm. that has one and they've got completely different bears on those baits. And, and that's what, that's what we were talking about was our surprise as to how many freaking bears we actually have. Yeah. You, you never know because you know, when it, when you, when you spend as much time in the woods as, as I do and you do, you know, you, you do see deer, you see elk, you see different species out there periodically. And I, and, and every, you know, once in a blue moon, you'll see a black bear. Yeah. But when you look at it from the from the perspective of your game cameras and you see how many bears are in that area, like I was blown away with my bear bait and how many bears I had on that thing and how much time I've spent there in the past and all I've seen is a little bit of bear sign in the past, but yet I had 10 some odd bears on that camera in a 3 week time period. Yeah, it's nuts. We have one bait that we have uh well, last year, we had 18 bears on just the one site. Mm-hmm. 18 different bears. And, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's it's something that if, if you appreciate the land and you have the ability to do it, it's something we need to manage them. They yeah. need to be managed. They do. I mean, there's nothing real. I mean, yeah, even if there is a pack of wolves up there, you know, say, and they are digging a few of those bears up in the winter, they're still... Yeah, there's still mean, way. I mean, I'm a lot more worried about wolves destroying game populations than I am with bears. And so, 
the question I had on that topic was um, with you know elk and deer and all these fall hunts going on. Why do you choose to bait in the fall? Is there is there like a reason or is it just something added? It's just I don't know. Because that's an it's, undertaking, dude. Five it's, barrels. It's so much fun. I just I like the chaos uh-huh. personally, and I love fall bear meat. And it's kind of funny because I've heard some people talk about, you know, spring bear meat, and their spring bear meat's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe it. I mean, bear meat, when we have it, we go through it very fast. I yeah. Mean, I love – we always try to have a bear in the freezer every year yeah. just because it's, the meat is so good. It but, is good. But those fall bears, too, they have a lot of fat on them, and I like to render that fat down and uh What do you do with it? it? Like what do you do? Bear fat donuts or... Oh, I mean, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, you can render that grease or that fat down to a grease and mm-hmm. you can deep fry your donuts. You make homemade donuts and deep fry them in bear grease. God dang. Like, that's just what <laughs> you know? I need, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like... It's one of those things in the wintertime, yeah, like there, come there would be a lot Thanksgiving more or something, mm-hmm. you know? You're like, oh, make yeah. Make something crazy like that the for the family. Do you, tell, the do you tell like some of your family at Thanksgiving that... Hey, have a donut, and then after they eat it, you know, well, that was rendered out of bear fat. I did that. Okay, so my mom actually was the one that got me. She was like, I really want to make bear fat donuts, so get me some bear fat. I need this fall. I'm, hopefully, I'll get her a bunch of bear fat so she can make some bear fat donuts. But All right, man. Um, I got her with mountain lion. Oh, did you? And, yeah. So we had all this mountain lion meat. Uh, I can't, yeah, I don't know. We... Off one of the cats, and we we skinned it out, and uh-huh. grinded it up, and we made a breakfast sausage out of the mountain lion meat. I was like, oh, I'm going to cook breakfast this morning. This was when I was, like, probably in my early 20s. Uh-huh. And uh, I, make, I made her uh, scrambled eggs with mountain lion sausage. And she didn't know? She didn't know. Did you tell her? Yeah. After? Yeah. What'd she say? She got this look on her face, just... Really? (laughs) (laughs) She didn't like it. People are blown away, dude. It's just funny because, I mean, yeah, you talk to people and you're like, hey, you know, mountain lion's really good. And they give you this look. Like, are you serious? Like, well, think about it. They eat everything that we're going out there and eating, so Mm -hmm. the meat's got to be good. I mean, bears, that's, that's kind of what I've noticed with bears. Like, the last couple fall bears that we've gotten... When the huckleberry crop is really good and uh-huh. it carries on to like now, later mm-hmm. in the season, like you can skin those bears open and the meat smells sweet. Oh, I'm sure. It doesn't I'm sure. It doesn't have like this I don't know, like most of the spring bears I've I've gutted and skinned out, they almost have a different smell to them. I'm not saying it's a bad smell, but it's just different. Yeah, it's yeah. different. And the in the fall bears, when I've skinned them out and smelled it, it's like Man, it smells almost like huckleberry pie. Interesting. Okay, good to know, man. I'm setting a barrel this fall. I just, I've always kind of, it's been my opinion, (laughs) you know, I'm so busy with everything else, with with elk and and deer and everything, um, that I've never really tried it. But season does open, I think, in September for fall bear. Yeah. Um, And so, and it runs through what, like November? It opens Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like elk. Yeah. Yeah. So Isn't that crazy? I know, right? This is the first time <laughs> in, back in like to a the old decade ways. back back to August thirty yeah. for an elk opener. And I I might have a game plan for opening day. 
right on. I, I think I have a pretty good game plan. So anyway, um, gosh, okay, I gotta I gotta make note. I keep hitting my mic stand, <laughs> my hand. I know I've I've said it in other episodes, but yeah, I get my arms flannel flailing around. So we've been at this almost an hour. We need to circle back, and I wanna I wanna hit some whitetail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're we're talking about scrapes. Yeah. And um, don't derail me anymore. I won't. Only, I'm sorry. Only whitetail. <laughs> I'm excited about the whitetail thing. I mean, I know. I, I know mean, you it are. was literally got... the first time that I heard Troy talk about whitetails was on this podcast, and I was just amped. And that up. was like two, almost. I mean, year and a half ago. Yeah. Probably two seasons ago. Though. Two seasons. Yeah. Two seasons ago. So, uh, what I think so, one thing that'll really stand out to me, like. What is different in your mind when it comes to hunting whitetails on public land in the mountains um, now? Like, what do you do differently now than you did, say, three years ago? Oh, man, three years ago it was like November. November comes, and and now it's like... You just wait for a dumb one. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. I almost am dreading November coming now because... When November comes, those bucks that I have on camera, they're gone. And, I mean, I've kind of done some research, and I've talked to uh, Johnny Stewart mm-hmm. a few times. And that's something that's that's really cool is, you could, like, we've talked, me and you talked about, is, you know, Troy's, Troy's setup is pretty much the base of it's the core of what I'm doing mm-hmm. It's the way he does it. But I've taken like talking to Johnny Stewart and uh, listening to some different podcasts like the DeQuestos. And it seems like, Oh yeah. There's, learned, yeah, man, like there is so much information out there and it might not all apply to here, but little tidbits of what they all have little to things say. like yeah. nuances and behavioral things about a whitetail you could pick up by some really good whitetail hunter in kansas that's hunting a lease right right and, and it can apply to a, a a public land buck and that's kind of how i look at our woods the only thing that really stands out or i guess the only roadblock for me in hunting them in early season mm-hmm. is the elk hunting pressure that we have which is i mean it's. I mean, that's what everybody up here. I mean, September comes. It's. Yeah. It's elk, and I cannot blame Which anybody for that. I don't know why. There's no elk in North Idaho. Right. Well, like, I don't get it. There's like, there yeah, used we, to we be, but just kind of the volcano, right? Maybe the new message <laughs> on my show should be: There's no elk in North Idaho. Yeah. They're all down by Boise. Mm. Oh. Oh no! Wait. I I said that wrong. I got corrected. <laughs> it's Boise. Boise. I, I've always said Boise, and I had I had like two people email me, and they're like, "You gotta quit saying Boise. There's it's no Boise. It's Boise." Yeah, I call it Boise. I, I've just <laughs> said I've always said Boise. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I appreciate I appreciate uh, the listener feedback either way. Uh, I'll try yeah, to say it Boise. We all gotta on. get corrected every once in a while, I guess. So. Oh, I'm famous for I've, yeah. I mispronounce all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so I don't care. Um, Anyway, getting back to that, what, yeah. you were, what you were talking about, and and just like the different tidbits that you're putting together, um, can you kind of without without giving too many secrets away, or and and um, or getting too in depth because we're getting short on time here, walk us through your whitetail process for this year. What, so what you have come last up? year, I had my I had well, so this has been a three year process now with 
this buck I call Sarge, and uh, I I saw him when we were another time. So going you up actually to Bear name him? Yeah, you name him. I named him okay. Sarge. Sarge. Yeah, I like it. And uh, I saw him three years ago. We were actually heading out to where we were elk hunting, and uh, saw him, and I had a shot at him, and I didn't take the shot. I just didn't feel comfortable with the shot that I had with him, and it was bow season, and uh, I never took the shot. Were you in a tree stand or? No, we ground. were on the ground. On yeah. the ground, okay. So, um, then the next time that I, well, I started trying to figure out, like, how do I get these bucks patterned? Because, I mean, you see one up there, there's just, he's a big buck, Sarge is. He's a, one of the bigger deer I've ever had a chance at harvesting, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to figure it out. And that's about a year later, I heard that podcast with you and Troy, and I started kind of diving into it and then going down the rabbit hole with that. And uh, so I start, I put a scrape in and I, uh, I put us, I put several scrapes in and I found another buck called Thumper. And he's on a different ridge. I just kind of spread Did out. Did he have scrapes. like a collar with a name tag? Or no. Had, where'd you come up with Thumper I, from? He's uh, he's got a kicker that comes off his. Oh, gotcha. His uh, G, I kind of like that name. G two, and it's a, uh-huh. I don't know. It's about six inches long. Really? Yeah. Is that the one you sent me a picture of? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you sent me. I well, no. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Anyway, <laughs> I look at a lot of picture of deer. <laughs> but I named it so that buck we named Thumper and uh, I don't know I so I found that scrape well I I found that scrape that was an original scrape I never built that scrape and I hung a camera on it and that buck showed up to it and then Sarge finally showed up on that camera and I was like that's the buck that I saw three years ago I'm doing what you're doing that's okay um they're loud microphone stands <laughs> so. I built the scrape down in this uh, draw, and I got a picture of him and three other bucks. Put it on video mode, and uh, this year, so last season, I tore my Achilles, and I couldn't hike down into that draw mm-hmm. to get to where he's at without falling on my face. So uh, I. Uh, um, had to sit that all last season out for deer hunting, and uh, this Man, that was 2019. Yeah, or no, that was 2020. 2020. So 2020, I pretty much was tapped out. Dang man, that sucks. I was a flatlander. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't go hiking up. Like in you're the woods. from Boise or something. Yeah, exactly. Flatlanders. I had to go down on the Boise. South, I always, so. I always, I have a bunch of friends down in Boise. I <laughs> call them flatlanders just to ruffle their feathers. <laughs> It's pretty funny. They get all bent out of shape with me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this spring I got after it. As soon as I could get up there, I got up there and I put new batteries in the cameras, pulled cards, mm-hmm. um, saw that a buck had come back. And, I, I mean, just the way his face was shaped and everything, I was like, oh, man, I think that's him. Wasn't 100% sure. Thumper or Sarge? Sarge. Sarge. Um, so then – Spring goes on, and, all, like, my deer, I, I checked it in June. I checked that camera in June, and I got one video of him and another buck, 
and all the rest of them were just gone. And I was like, man, what the heck? Like, these deer just left this area. Mm-hmm. Something's up. Went from a dynamite spot to nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, I messed something up. I came in here wrong, or I spread some scent, and they're done with this mm. scrape. So I, there's a little watering hole up above where I put that scrape. And this is when we were getting hit with that hot with those hot temperatures. Oh, yeah, the crazy Man, 100 like, some odd yeah, degree. 110, yeah, 110, 109. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, th- I know this is one of the few spots on this mountainside that uh, th- has water, so I'll put a camera here. And I checked it in July, the end of July. I went up and checked that camera, and I got, I got one of the bucks on there, and then a bear came in and hit the camera and just mangled it. So it was <laughs> off the watering hole, but it's facing this trail that comes off from a different direction. And I got a picture of a, of a bear, a big bear walking down this trail. Uh-huh. Then I got a picture of a hound dog. Then I got a picture of another hound dog. And then I got a picture of a hunter coming down the trail. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a like houndsman? old sequence. It was like... <laughs> I was like, man, this how, is cool. How much time between the bear and the first hound? So it was like five minutes. Oh, okay. I mean, okay, it was curious. close. It, huh. And uh, I wonder if that houndsman cut up to that bear. Yeah, I don't. I I thought about posting the stuff that. on like social media. Yeah, yeah. And just saying, be, hey, is how this cool you? would that be if you <laughs> you're a houndsman, you get this bear, and then some other dude had a camera that got the whole sequence in, in you know, on the game camera. That'd be cool. Yeah. You could like put print those pictures out and put it with the bear rug or something. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean cool. I I thought this pretty close to the same thing. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I'd love to find out who this guy is. Well so after I checked that camera in July, the beginning of this last month, I went up and started walking around doing some more hiking, and I was like, you know, I bet you this guy's got a bait somewhere up there against the road, and he's running, he's been running bears off this spot, mm. and that's probably why I haven't had the deer activity. I just started thinking about, so I started hiking around, and I found his bait, and I was like, oh, okay, and it's right above, it's probably seven or eight hundred yards above my scrape. Which as ah. a crow flies, I mean... Not it, very far. No. So I thought, well, I need to move. So I went out on this other ridge, and it's about a mile from that spot. And I went out on this other ridge, and then I went in deeper. I went a mile and a half in hmm. on this ridge and thought, you know, I found this bench that comes off this ridge. It's just a little subtle bench, and there's an edge it's got we've got dark timber on the left and then it opens up into this big huckleberry patch and mm-hmm. it's kind of a scattered old growth but it's got some sun filtering through yeah. a lot of greenery yeah. and uh so i built a scrape right there on that spot and like a week later sarge is on that in the middle of the day like well not the middle of the day but nine nine thirty in the morning yeah well I mean, for, for white gel is middle of the day i mean yeah, yeah i mean it's like kinda... early enough in the morning i'm like okay cool so i'm getting kind of closer to him and it was one of i just i don't know just e-scouting and trying to adapt to the pressure it's like and, okay and, well we know the pressure's here and it, the pressure actually you know at first i was like well dang it now I've got to start all over again, but mm-hmm. it kind of helped me narrow down the spot 
as to where where that buck would yeah, be hanging yeah. out and that's i mean that's kind of a cool thing to take from that scenario it was like all right got pressure here obviously and if there's dogs running all the time from this area obviously a mature buck i mean he's going to know how to get around that i'm not, i don't yeah. know you know yeah he's not going to want to be in that i i just it's Especially with call. the wolves that we have here and everything, it's like any canine sound I feel that would deter a mature buck. And he just, it's like Troy says, you know, it's one time and they're gone. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, I remember, I remember him talking. It'd be cool if we had him on this conversation too to uh, to kind of roll into into season because it starts like you said. It's so it's Thursday. Yeah. For those of you listening. Um, and in hunting season start on on Monday, and we're sitting in the in the studio here on a Thursday. Uh, I've got um, I've got a couple more guys coming tomorrow on Friday uh, to record, and so it's like the it's like the summer of, of a lot of local hunters, right? And yeah. so it's pretty cool. I I've been uh, neglecting my no, local hunters lately, so uh, no, I'm pretty cool. pretty excited about it. But um, Anyway, the point with that is is then we hit Monday and hunting season is is we're off to the races at that point uh, between elk and whitetail and and uh, now you add a bear to my list because I wasn't planning on doing really any serious bear hunting this year. You're in the spot, but I'm in the spot you here, are. <laughs> and I got a plan, dude. There is a bear hanging out like 200 yards from where we're sitting, and I haven't seen him yet. And I, I should go put a camera out there, but. Uh, it's just going to be a great season, and and I I really want to track how your season goes, and then we need to do like a postseason update after, where uh, if you, if you don't mind coming back up yeah, here, yeah, I'd love to, because I I have this funny suspicion we're gonna be we're gonna be keeping uh, close tabs on each other, <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely, and so and I'm here for you, man. Yeah, if you need some help packing out this season or yeah, something, yeah, you too. I mean, uh, I love I'll send my kids. Calling. No, I love kidding. to call. I, yeah, me too. Like when we go out hunting, I mean that's usually my like I'll call, I'll call. I just I love elk hunting, yeah. but this like this year it's been the deer thing, and I'm just yeah. I mean I know I'm how trying, it feels. I'm not man. an expert on it yet. I'm not. I'm learning still. But you're and there. I mean, man, but it's been such a cool. I don't know how to explain it. It's just been such a cool trial and error. I wonder since, if like. I wonder if like we could create like this round table discussion, like me, you, and Troy Pottinger. Oh, I'd love that. You That'd think we, be so cool. We should both hit him up. Yeah. Well, if we tag team him, I'll bet you he might he might agree he might to do fold. it. might fold. He's yeah. gonna be busy though. I know his son Tyson's uh, playing for the Bobcats. I've yeah. Been following that a little yeah. bit, and that's kind of so. Yeah, I know he's, he's super he's, stoked about that, and mm-hmm. then he's got some. Uh, then he's got Jess out there running around catching bass all over the western yeah. United States. It's, it's, yeah, it's just a busy season. So, <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm thinking this winter we might be able to do like That'd sit cool. down and, and like do a, like a round table or a something. recap on the season. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be cool, man. I've got a morning spot and I've got an evening spot this year. So for I'm deer, gonna, yeah, and that's, okay. So this whole next week, I'm gonna be hunt. I leave the house at three thirty and. <laughs> I'll be home probably about nine o'clock, and that's. Let me ask you this: it, it's it's like whoops, there we go, hitting the mic stand again. Um, it, uh, and obviously this episode is not going to be released today, right? And we're we're knocking on September's door. It, this is probably two, maybe three weeks out before it even comes out. But like, is it too late in the year to start setting scrapes? No. If somebody's interested. 
No. You don't think so? No. All right, I've, cool. I've set some up. If, if anything, they're going to just start getting better. But I'd say from what I've learned, um, don't just go out and set up a scrape. Like, try to understand why you're putting a scrape in that spot and, like, why it would be conducive to put one there. I mean, you want to you wanna take into account the feed, what's still green, and something that I've noticed, those little thimble berries, they look like raspberries out there in the woods. Uh-huh. The, my deer eat that stuff like crazy. I've got videos of them, and anytime there's that thimbleberry, it's got the big leaf. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I know what you're talking about. Pay attention to some of the, like, what they're feeding on, browsing on, um, bedding areas. You know, what I've, I've had a lot of luck with the north slope for a bedding area and getting kind of close to a north slope. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, having a south slope not too far from it. If that makes okay. any sense. So, I mean, I like to get down off the north slope a little bit or an east slope. It's just depending. Either okay. way, like if I have a ridge that's going east and west, there's a north and south face to it. Right, yeah. And I've had a lot of success with ridges like that. And But, I mean, like it's like Troy says in his videos you walk into that timber and it's like it's almost like you need the lights turned on yeah it's dark you yeah know? and uh those are cooler areas and i've a lot of my deer that i've got on camera right now are close to spots like that, that okay you know i've got i've got cover i've got feed and then there's water close by especially after this year with the heat it was just like, oh man I mean, water it's is scorching. huge for everything this yeah. year so um yeah like I would think about that, but then also think about the rut, too, and maybe try to set something up where, you know, if like I've been driving down the roads and looking for deer tracks and looking for does mm-hmm. lately because I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, if I can't make something happen in September and early season, then I'll have a spot, you know, where there's lots of does and maybe maybe those bucks will get pulled off those spots and maybe they're coming down to where those does are headed like hanging out feeding, yeah you know yeah for sure doe areas so oh, yeah been trying to keep tabs on those and onyx or base map whatever you prefer it's like it's a good tool like if yeah. you see a deer just mark it mm-hmm. and then when you get time later that evening just get on your base map or your onyx and look at it look at where you saw that deer and try to think about why that deer was using that spot What's conducive in that spot for that deer to be there? Yeah, yeah. Especially up in the woods, it's like, I mean, when you only have when so many deer per, per mile or square mile, Yeah. you know, it's like I've got a spot the last three times I've drew, well, sorry, I've marked three waypoints in this spot now mm-hmm. in the last, like, ten times I've been up in the woods. On your onyx? Yeah, and I just and... happened to see a doe run across the road in this spot huh it's weird but it's like i marked it and then the next time i was driving through i saw a doe again and i always have once i leave the dirt once i get off the pavement i'm on the dirt i always have my onyx on Mm -hmm. when i'm going to scout deer so it's quick for me to just park hit mark my location and then just keep driving well i did this the second time i did it i didn't think about it i hit mark my location and I had put two waypoints in that spot, both does. Oh, really? Yeah. And then the third time was a little raghorn buck, a little spike buck. 
That's interesting, but, man, because you do kind of tend to see those does on those like like I have my main travel corridors through my unit, right? Yeah. All, all these dirt roads. I'm always on the same ones, and I always see deer in the same space places. And so, yeah. There's yeah, something I mean, it. but if you think about it, like those bucks, those big mature bucks that we're hunting up high right now, you know, eventually they're gonna want to breed, or there's a doe on that scrape that's, you know, that they're keeping tabs on that they're gonna breed with. But yeah. I mean, if you have that in your backpack, like, hey, you know, I'm not seeing my buck on my trail camera. I'm not, you know, I haven't seen any activity or anything. It's like you look on your Onyx and be like, oh, yeah, this spot, it's only this many. It's only a mile away or a mile and a half away. And I've consistently seen does here. Might be worth walking through there come November because some of that sense yeah, will be it's going be up the there. mountain. For sure. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm trying to build myself a toolbox. Yeah, right now. no, this is great. I can I can <laughs> see like as you're explaining some of this, it, it's you're working through like how you're gonna process this information, like in your own mind. It's almost like, and I do this all the time. And what I've learned is one of the best ways for me to learn is to try to teach other people, right? And you're teaching me because I I don't know hardly all I know for about whitetail deer or what Troy Pottinger, yeah, uh, you know, taught me, and then and then you. Um, and so I, I think, uh, it's just going to be a good season for you, man. I'm looking forward to whitetail season. Uh, my whitetail season is going to be mainly focused on getting my girls a buck because this is their first year. Uh, but I know that, uh, I, I have a couple of not backup plans, but, uh, some, some plans for my own, my own whitetail hunt this year. But, um, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, dude. no, thanks for having me. This is fun. We're going to do it again, right? <laughs> yeah. It time goes by Hopefully quick. Hopefully it won't be recording. so like shaken up i mean uh, ah, i've yeah. never done this mic thing before pop your cherry like, on this one huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah, that's cool so man it's kind of uh, scatterbrained but i know a lot of people they they get nervous coming on the show uh are or or their their nerves get uh fried a little bit you know but but uh, i always tell people this is not some live performance yeah if we screw it up i could delete it yeah so that's fun. no it's you know. been fun no it's, it's good cool i'm as Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. We're going to keep track of you during the season. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks a bunch for tuning in. Uh, this is me and Steve Johnson signing off. I do want to remind you guys, if you don't mind hitting um, either like Apple iTunes uh, or that other one, I think it's Podbean or something like that, and writing us a good review. Uh, because we've been kind of going after some of the anti-hunters. Uh, we got some we got some bad ones written. Uh, so to counter that, I need you guys to go out there and write some good reviews for us, and I would appreciate that. And with that, guys, anything else? No. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. We might have to have one more beer. Yeah, I okay. think so. All right, brother. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.